We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into your Friday episode, guys. It's the OBR Film Breakdown. Jake Burns here with you. I am going to open this show up solo. Going to talk a little bit about what happened at an important day of Brown's practice on Thursday. Usually the day right before the most important practice where we start to really figure out who's in, who's out. We have a real idea of who's going to play in this game and who's not based on a recent tweet this evening during Thursday Night Football. So we'll cover all that and then we have behind enemy lines talking all things 49ers to give you an idea of who they are ahead of Sunday's 1 o'clock kick at Cleveland Brown Stadium. So it's a packed episode, a lot going on. Let's get started with the latest OBR film breakdown right now. All right, guys, welcome into today's show. We have, like I said, some stuff to hit on from Berea. I always like to cover Fred Greetham's work, what he writes up, um, and then uh, some Jusina Anderson tweets about what the Browns are going to do as far as people playing in this game. So start with Fred's work. Uh, over there, you know, you had some interview time with Kevin Stefanski, talked about the Browns' run game, which there will be an article up on the OBR talking about the boomer bust nature of this run game, things they have to change uh, today for your Friday consumption. But uh, Stefanski noted... As you guys know, we want to run the ball more effectively than we have in the past, especially the last couple times out. There are reasons for it, those types of things, and we know we have to be better. Obviously, the 49ers bring a stellar run defense into into Cleveland, 64.2 yards a game, uh, the number one defense in allowing points, giving up just 13.6 points a game, and they're tied for first in the NFL in turnover ratio, all of which is, um, you know, it starts to mount and puts the Browns in a, in a little bit of a doom and gloom feeling going into this game. Kevin continued, he's had some really good moments talking about uh, Jerome Ford this season. Obviously, we want to get back. Uh, we want to get back to being more efficient, explosive in our run game. So he's a big part of that. And um, he said, "There's breakaway speed. I think is one of the things we've seen from him. He's a guy with the ability to run between the tackles, and he does have a legit breakaway speed uh, that we have seen in in space at times. So he's a guy that continues to work hard. So they believe Ford can be that back. And obviously, we've seen some burst from you know Pierre Strong, where he had a great run at the end of that Ravens game, and it feels like forever now since that Ravens game." just because the bye week and the emotion going into the bye week has made it feel like it's lasted forever. Jerome Ford spent some time talking as well, uh, just trying to stay on point. He said, just trying to take it day by day. Ford said, making sure my routine is on point, taking it one game at a time. He was on the injury report with a limited uh, designation with a knee injury. Seems like he's going to play. You know, but overall, they need these three running backs to be better. There's the idea of at the trade deadline, you could go get somebody 
if you feel like these three aren't getting it done, but the collective group, the collective run game itself needs to get to get better, right? So Kevin again finished up. It's multifaceted. I mean, it's play design, play call. Sometimes it's execution. It's all of it. We have to get back to the being way, way, way more efficient. And again, the Browns are the biggest struggle is the negative run rate, the zero yard negative run rate. The Browns have usually been okay at that, but over Kevin's four years, they're among right now the worst in the NFL in negative run rate. And they'll they'll still hit their big runs, right? They'll still hit the ten yard runs. They've done that fine. But when you have a boomer bust situation, it creates too many drives where you're playing behind the sticks because you run into a negative gain, right? A negative or zero yard gain is is essentially is the same as a complete incompletion, but incompletions give you a higher chance uh, chance of making something happen within a play. So really having those negative runs or zero-yard runs are really detrimental. So I've been trying to illuminate that. Uh, and again, I'll put it in writing and put some film attached to it. But the negative run percentage is one of the biggest problems with the Browns' um, run, run game in, in total the last two years, really. It wasn't a problem Kevin's first two years, essentially, but it's gotten worse over his time and is a lingering problem over the group right now. So... You know, we have, uh, you know, issues up front. You lose Jack Conklin. You know, I, I don't think Dewan Jones is quite the run blocker you want him to be. Joel Batonio is dealing with a knee injury. Post is dealing with a bunch of different designations, but predominantly a knee injury. He was back out there today. So if Batonio can't play, maybe you get Michael Dunn. You might get Nick Harris. We'll see what they end up wanting to do. I, I would imagine they go Michael Dunn. But it feels like, from what we gather, it is very much going to be three guys missing the game. You're going to miss Batonio. You're going to miss... And this was Jusina Anderson tweeting about this. So, uh, Batonio, uh, David Njoku is going to be out with the face hand issues that we talked about the other day. And then Watson. Those three were names that she said were going to be out. Even though Alex Van Pelt today said that uh, there's a chance he could play. Uh, Van Pelt said it's an injury. He's playing through an injury. He's trying to get better. He's trying to get better each and every week. It's an injury to his main weapon, which is his arm, his throwing circle. So, we'll get him back when he's ready. Hopefully, it's sooner than later. But I would never, you know, he said, ever think if he can play, he's going to play. He's a fierce competitor, so essentially confirming that he can't throw. He still can't throw. We'll see how long this lingers. Van Pelt said there was a chance he could play. We see from Josina Anderson tonight. Um, she says that she's told that the Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson, will not play. And then there have been others added to that um, as well. But there's talk about P.J. Walker, the game manager stuff. And uh, Van Pelt said he's confident in Walker. He looks good. He throws the ball really well. I liked him coming out when I was in Green Bay. We were talking about our visit he had up to Green Bay earlier before his draft. I always thought he was a really good quarterback, so I followed him through my time of evaluating him in college and through his career, and I think he does a nice job. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what kind of game plan they put together for P.J. Walker, but you're missing Njoku. You're missing Betonio, two important cogs in the machine here. Obviously, uh, missing Watson, but the, the thing with Watson is how long is this going to linger because I think there's a misunderstanding and initially, especially surrounding the Baltimore game, how long this was going to linger, and now it's running into the point where everybody is sort of just looking at each other, throwing their hands up because, and that could be too with Watson and the doctors, right? They, that, that could be the case where they just don't know when this thing's going to get right and they're not feeling optimistic about it, and that might be what we're seeing from an emotional standpoint from guys like Stefanski yesterday who said he just didn't want to talk about it anymore. That was his last update. Otherwise, we have Miles Garrett update. He was in a walking boot after the game said he'd be ready for the 49ers game he was out um of practice on wednesday precautionary reasons but was back on the field thursday poachage uh, ethan post is back on the field uh for practice batonio and joku do not practice we like i said have been come to the understanding that neither of those guys are going to play so that's all of the surrounding news 
with uh, practice updates, who's going to play. As far as we know, the Browns are going to be well behind the eight ball, which is a disappointment. You know, anytime you get a home game, you want to have a feel like you have a chance to win. And they do, right? Maybe P.J. Walker plays a competent game. they got a real chance to win this thing, but you don't feel optimistic about it. The line keeps jumping up. It's up to 10 points now from most spots, I gather. So maybe you still feel like the Browns could take those points and be in good shape. That's entirely possible, but uh, it's just it's a very uphill task right now for the for the Browns at 2-2. Two and two. Um, in, again, you might even think that the most important game is going to be Indy coming out of this game, but that's an unfortunate thing to be looking ahead to another game when you have an important game coming. So all around unfortunate situation. But again, like I always say, they put the pads on the same way. They put the jerseys on the same way, the helmet, they strap it up, they go play. Anything can happen any given Sunday. And we'll be here to cover all of that for you, as we always do here at the OBR Film Breakdown. Now, let's get over to our interview with Kyle Matson. I think does a great job. It's a great interview. He gives you all the things you need to know about the 49ers in a very concise way. Hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get over to it after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. 
All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, we shift to 49ers week. Kind of been laying some groundwork recent podcasts about what it's going to actually take to pull off something like this. It got a little far-fetched. Uh, out in the realm of, of possibility with Deshaun Watson's injury, uh, kind of confirmed he's not going to start. At least we haven't heard this from the team officially, but Justina Anderson tonight recording this on Thursday night has pretty much locked in that he's not going to play, confirming the the buzz around P.J. Walker that's, that's felt inevitable based on what he said in the locker room today. So the task gets taller. Listen, we, you know, I, I always tell people on my podcast, Kyle, that the, that the teams put their pants on the same way. They put their shoulder pads on. They got to play the game. But things are tilting heavily 49ers, and it's a team coming in feeling really good about themselves as far as placing the NFL, where they're at as a team. And it is going to be a massive challenge for the Cleveland Browns. We have from the Candlestick Chronicles, which is also a Blue Wire podcast, which is always pumped to get another Shout Blue Wire out. show in here. Kyle, yeah, Kyle Madsen joins us. So I'm really uh, thankful, Kyle, for you taking some time for us, man. Yeah, man. Happy to do it. Love talking football. Well, let's let's just dive right in. State of the 49ers right now, right? So it's been... It's, it's wild that kind of, you know, the Browns are far removed. So it's not like our fan base is getting a large pull of like what goes on out in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like the national thing has been Trey Lance. What happened with that now is, is uh, the situation with Brock Purdy is like, is this guy the real deal? So it's, it's kind of crazy as you talk about state of the franchise that the leading thing going into this year, because all the, you know, all of the pre- the premium positions were good. Everyone knew that it was just a matter of figuring out quarterback and it feels like they have figured this out. Brock is playing really well, and they obviously moved Trey, and all of that is now behind them. Is the vibe around the organization, both sides of the football, coaching staff, ownership, you know, all the way up to the top, as good as it's been in a long time here? Yeah, it's always been. That's something that Kyle Shanahan has just done a really nice job of, even since 2017. So they were atrocious in 2017, right? But they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. He starts the last five games. They win all those games. 2018 Garoppolo gets hurt in week three, but that team wasn't good, but they played hard and they won a couple games down the stretch games. They had no business winning. And I think that just kind of laid the groundwork for, for where they've been over the last four, what is this? Five seasons now since 2019. And it's a very good culture. It's a team that has fallen short in the NFC title game two years in a row. And it's largely the same core from 2018, 2019. And Everybody knows kind of what's at stake. They know the window's closing. And you talk about vibes right now. Everybody is on the same page with, hey, it's it's Super Bowl or bust. And every week they know that Philly is looming in the NFC title game if they want to get there. Like it goes through Philly still. So they want that game to be at home. And so every week is a, is a, what am I, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a. They're, they're pushing each other, right? It's just like, it's, yeah, trial. They haven't been complacent. I thought for sure they've, they've every year they've had a couple of games where they really start rolling and then they lose to the Falcons 
or they really start rolling and then they lose to the Cardinals and Colt McCoy. And this year they've not done that. There's been a couple opportunities to, and I think it just kind of goes to show where the team is at. They're super unselfish. It's Christian McCaffrey one week. It's George Kittle another week. It's Brandon Ayuk. It's Debo Samuel. Nobody's in the media complaining about their targets or their touches or whatever. So I, I think they're all very much on the same page. And, and yeah, the vibe is as good as it's been. And, and they've been pretty good over the last few years. Okay, so talk about offense. It's um, it's Kyle, obviously. And we know, listen, there's there's a long history here with the Browns. It's a short history, but there's history. Mm-hmm. And it's his first time back to Cleveland since that 2014 season. That mm-hmm. is it's wild how much publicity his, his uh, Washington run, then his, his singular Cleveland year has kind of put at the forefront. Just the characters involved are always kind of funny to look back on almost a decade later, Kyle. It's crazy how long that's been. But yeah. there's history here. The offense is performing as well as it seems like they've ever performed. Kyle continues to be on the forefront of adaptive play calling. It's something I've been jealous of from afar for a long time. You know, the the one year back in 2014 where I felt like the Browns were out in front of the NFL a little bit was Kyle's year. Mm-hmm. And he has continued to evolve in the best way possible, even though the coaching tree spreads throughout the league. It's, it's, an, it's impressive. I don't have to tell you anything you don't know here, but the Clint Kubiak, and I think it's Chris, is it Chris Forster? I, th- I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um, th- that duo running as the OC, and I know Kyle's the the key of the engine here. I understand that. But they, yeah. they seem to have things rolling in a great way. What are they doing that, in your opinion, is making them special? I know you talked about they're spreading the love in one week next week, and they got SARS mm-hmm. here, right? But are they are they living in 21? Are they, are they trying to put... You know, I understand Debo and Brandon Ayuk are guys you don't want off the field. You don't want Kittle off the field very often. You certainly want to get Juice Check uh, on the field as a creative. Just God, he's, a, mm-hmm. he's just a, such a fun widget to play around with in your offense. Um, talk to me about what they live in, what you think they're most comfortable in, and how they're distributing among those guys because it's it's impressive. It's it's all it's I don't want to say all. It's a lot of twenty one. It's very heavy. 21 yeah. and it's because you mentioned Kyle Juszczyk Kyle Juszczyk was kind of the the start of this positionless football thing that Kyle Shanahan has been just moving toward George Kittle because Kyle Juszczyk's a fullback but he can ostensibly line up anywhere on the field right he can be an h-back he can split out wide he can be in the slot he can play tight end with his with his hand in the dirt you have George Kittle who same same deal a bigger different skill set but but same idea Debo Samuel he made a name for himself as a, you know, quote unquote wide back. They, and they still line him up as a running back. Um, but he's also, you know, lining up out wide. Brandon Ayuk, really good out wide, but he's really effective in the slot as well. If Christian McCaffrey, maybe the the most versatile player in the league in terms of, um, maybe the most versatile running back in the league, I should say, just in terms of his pure rushing ability. But if they said, hey, you can't run it anymore, he could go be a really good slot receiver. And so when they get in 21, they can be in from a from a um formation standpoint in anything they want to be in if they want to run 11 with three wide they can do all that same stuff with their 21 group on the field but when that 21 group is on the field brandon Ayuk and debo samuel are such good blockers that they can run it down a team's throat from there or they can go five wide from there um there's so many different things they can do where they can just dictate what personnel packages on the field for the defense and then basically change their offense based on the defense's personnel based on their rules, which that's a big thing with Kyle Shanahan is he learns the defense's rules and then figures out how to break them. 
And he can do that largely because of that 21 personnel group. So you'll see some Juwan Jennings uh, wide receiver. You'll see some Ray Ray McLeod, another wide receiver. You'll see some Jordan Mason, their backup running back. But they're going to do most of their damage with Kyle Juszczyk, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle on the field. And it's because that group can do damage in whatever way they they kind of want. Let me ask you this. The McCaffrey trade, at the time, clearly a little bit of controversy. He'd been beat up, right? Like he'd mm-hmm. been struggling to stay healthy. Was the vibe that that deal was super risky back then was it was it universally liked in the way that it's turned into because christian has found health and he's been the weapon he i think he's reached the levels and maybe taking because of kyle's ability to help him taking it to a whole nother level from some of his best seasons which is wild to think about um it's working out we know that answer but was there a lot of apprehension when that deal was made there was definitely a little bit and i think when you look nationally and you look at the really smart football people they're going hey a running back is not worth it was a two, three, a second, a third, and a fourth in 2023, and then a mm-hmm. fifth in 2024. And he was the highest paid running back in the league. And the, there was kind of a head scratching because you're going, look, they make they had success with Elijah Mitchell as a sixth round pick, and Matt Brito is undrafted guy, and Raheem Mostert was a journeyman undrafted guy before he arrived in 2016. But Christian McCaffrey is different. Like he affects the game differently than all of those players. And he had missed, or I think he played seven games the previous two years. Yeah, it was it was I very was. few. Yeah, so there was definitely a and, little. And the bit Browns of... opened in Car- not to cut you off, Kyle, but the Browns mm-hmm. had opened in Carolina that year, mm-hmm. and you know he kind of he just didn't. He you know, again, this is because of Carolina and where they were as an organization at the time, how they're trying to function. But you didn't watch him at that moment and think like, this is a guy we need to go out and figure out a way to land, give up some mm-hmm. serious assets. So. It's been really nice because Christian's a great player to see him happy, healthy, and playing playing well again. And I think you couldn't find a better alignment of player and coach. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's why they went out. They wouldn't have done this. And this is the thing I tried to convey at the time because I definitely, like, you had your your concerns with Christian McCaffrey's health. But he had been healthy that year. And there were stories yeah, yeah. that offseason about how he had taken up yoga and he was doing all this different training differently, not to bulk, but, you know, to work on the little muscles and the and the – and his, his flexibility. So, okay, like that's that's great, but this is still, it's a lot of draft capital to give up for, for a running back. Uh, especially in a year where you weren't going to have a first round pick and they wound up not picking until the 87th pick. They had to trade up to, to the 87th pick to pick in this year's draft. But when you, when you looked at what it could be, when they could maximize it, they went, okay, this could be worth it. Because if they, if, if this had been Derrick Henry, they wouldn't have given all that up for Derrick Henry. That's no disrespect to Derrick Henry. He's great. He might wind up in the Hall of Fame. But he is a running back. He has lined it up, and he's going to run it. He's not going to split out wide the way Christian McCaffrey does. He's not going to command the attention Christian McCaffrey does in the passing game. And I think that's true for virtually every other back in the league. You know, save for a guy like B. John Robinson or or maybe Jameer Gibbs at some point. But, the, again, those are rookies. Those guys weren't in the league. So yeah. it, that's that was the thing for me is, like, you see the vision, and if he stays healthy, this is going to make sense because they traded for another versatile wide receiver running back kind of hybrid the way Debo Samuel is. Obviously, the positions are reversed, but uh, and McCaffrey's just a better player. But if it it was always if this works, if McCaffrey is good, the trade is going to be well worth it. Uh, but there was definitely a little bit of concern about his health, and you know, knock on wood, that hasn't been a problem to this point. 
Yeah, that's all. That, that dual threat conversation is one that, as people have, you know, before Nick's injury in Cleveland with Chubb, it's very similar to what you're talking about there with with Derek, where what could Nick net you in a return type of situation? It was a very similar contract, very well paid at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, this is not with Christian. It's not just the ability to, 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 to run the ball. It's, it's layered, right? There's a lot of things mm-hmm. he can do. So that is, um, that's something I just wanted to ask because I think it is turning into a really solid deal uh, over time here. And hopefully his, his health stays in good shape. So the offensive yeah. line is the last part of the offense I want to hit on with, you know, Trent Williams is a hall of famer. That's going to work out. It's, mm-hmm. it's been more than, 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 uh, just a culture good. changer that deal. Right. So, um, Good little player. Yeah, good little player indeed. He's going to present. <laughs> listen, so, so when we break down the All-22, when he gets with Miles, that's going to be some like Clash of the Titans stuff going on there. Can't wait to watch that. So we'll get some of those snaps. But talk about the rest of them, because I think this is where I think you would agree with me, the ultimate direction of this team goes when they get into the playoffs and those tight moments, those third and you got to throws, right? Yeah. How How is this group performing? Aaron Banks is your left guard, Jake Brendel at center, Spencer uh, Buford at right guard, and then, I believe another Ohio background guy here, Colton Miskovitz, who's a, uh, uh, I think he was at Union High School here. He's another Ohio guy. I, I'm pretty pretty positive. He went to, so, yeah, he went, he went to West Virginia. I'm not sure about high school. Yeah, but. yeah he's high school ball here in Ohio and then went to West Virginia. So so there's That's just, right. some, listen, there's a lot of ties back this way for some of these guys. But uh, mm-hmm. how how's that group performing as a whole and how do you feel about them and these games that are going to really matter, you know? Because the Browns are, st- I mean, defensively, yeah. they're really good. I mean, they will they will present some challenges here. Dude, I I just talked about this on on my podcast on Candlestick Chronicles. I think the 49ers are going to have a really hard time scoring. And I think Brock Purdy is going to look more like the player that people who think he's not good look like will look like if that makes sense. Like I think he's going to turn it over a couple times. I I I I am very high on the Browns defense. That was the case before the year by the way. I host a radio show out here and mm-hmm. I was on the Browns before the year started. Adding Zadarius Smith with uh with Miles Garrett in a Jim Schwartz defense, Mo Hurst is having a really nice year. Love Mo Hurst, big Mo Hurst guy. Uh, Grant Delpit and, and uh, Greg Newsom, uh, Dunzo Ward. I just I I love what they do in the secondary. But anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, what were we talking about the offensive line? So yeah, Trent Williams is great. Aaron Banks really really good player. He didn't play at all as a rookie, and he was a second round pick, and then just got the starting job in year two and was really good and was excellent. And he's been excellent again this year. Jake Brendel was kind of a journeyman and won the starting job just kind of by default because his competition got hurt in camp last year, but again, had a decent year and and earned a four-year contract and, and is again playing, playing well this year. The right side is where I have concerns because Spencer Burford is not a, a, a great player. He's in his second year. They, they gave him the starting right guard job last year and just handed it to him again this year. Didn't bring in a ton of competition, and he's just been okay. And Colton McKivitz had a really rough week one, and he's been better in in recent weeks. But again, it's that right side of the offensive line is going to be an area of concern for the reasons that you just brought up. And I think it's an important point that not a lot of people hit with the 49ers is they've been really good, but man, in a big spot with Aaron Donald facing them in the NFC title game, they didn't have anything for him. And in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, big spot, needed to slow down Chris Jones, and they didn't have anything for him. And so I look across it at, at what the Browns are doing, and again, with Mo Hurst on the interior, and then you have uh, Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett, who are you know, two of the best edge rushers in the league. And it's like, man, I don't know how they, how they block all those guys. They had a really good plan last week against Dallas, 
and limited Micah Parsons. My, Parsons, I think, had two pressures, no sacks. Um, uh, Demarcus Lawrence wasn't wasn't much of a factor. So they had a really good plan, but I don't know if they can do that two weeks in a row against a coordinator as, as creative as Jim Schwartz and against a defensive line as, as talented as this one. That's the side of the football that I'm just really eager to watch. And I, I'm sure Kyle is, is painting the picture that, you know, the, the, there's an easy way to let your guard down without Deshaun. But, you know, you, you talk about this as a team's defense. And the Browns can be manipulated. The Ravens did some things with jet motion that really created havoc in the Browns' run defense with bump and fits and things of that nature that caused them to be a little out of position. I'm sure Kyle and the group are salivating over that a little bit because they'll throw a bunch of that jet fly motion stuff at them and challenge oh, them yeah. to think a little bit. And if you get second-level players thinking too much, that's when you can – you can really bury them. So that's the thing to watch. But pass coverage paired with rush, they're doing a really good job. So that's the side of the football that'll be that'll be a lot of fun to watch. And how the Browns, you know, after last week where there was a pretty obvious feeling that their offense wasn't going to be very successful, mm-hmm. there was a, a, a vibe that the defense doesn't necessarily feel like they can carry it That mm-hmm. in that sense, which is it sounds sort of strange to say, but they have not – when you know you talk about if you have a backup quarterback playing, they have not yet stepped up to the plate and held a team to three, ten, you know, fourteen mm-hmm. uh, to sort of give their team a chance to win some of those ugly rock fights. So I, I'm I'm curious to see if the Browns defense is as good as we think it is. I think they're going to present a really unique challenge, and um, I know San Francisco's put up thirty plus every week this year. I, I'm not sure that's going to happen, but listen, you don't have to get to thirty. I think that as we flip sides here. Uh, the defense is something that probably isn't getting hit on enough. Um, or maybe maybe they have been, uh, Kyle. I, I don't know. I, I just think that they get overshadowed because Kyle's offense has driven um, so much of the narrative around the NFL for so long. But talk, talk about the front seven, which is just loaded. You know, you add Javon Hargrave to the group and, you know, you get the linebacker duo there. It's got to be fun to watch every week. Talk us through what, what's coming to Cleveland up front and how they like to manipulate personnel, whether they're a nickel or dime or what they like to do. Yeah, they are. It is wild how talented they are up front. And then you you talk about Javon Hargrave. He's been even better than I thought he was going to be. He's just in the backfield all the time. I mean, ninety eight is just hanging out two yards deep all game. It's it's nuts. Uh, Nick Bosa doesn't have the sack numbers this year, but given how Bosa had basically one practice. During the offseason, he signed the Thursday before the season opener. They do a walkthrough on Friday and then he played Sunday against against the Steelers in the season opener. Yeah. So and, and you could tell in, in the second week against the Rams, he was super winded and and was sitting out a lot. But he's still he's putting up like DPOY type of numbers. I don't think he's going to win it again, but he's putting up those type of numbers despite, you know, being uh, using the first two weeks as a de facto preseason. So he's obviously great reigning DPOY Javon Hargrave's really good and and Hargrave has has made life easier on Eric Armstead the Niners other defensive tackle who led the team in sacks in 2019 when when their defensive line was kind of the story of of their Super Bowl run um Drake Jackson second year player from USC is just okay like and that's the thing is their depth behind Bosa at defensive end is just okay they have guys who are capable of stepping in and and playing but only the 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 bar that they need to clear gets lowered a lot by the the three guys they're playing next to. But they just traded for Randy Gregory, who I think will probably wind up being like a third down kind of pass situation, pass rush specialist this week. 
um, maybe play like 15 snaps where he's where he's going to get in the quarterback. So I'm interested to see how that'll go. I don't know how good Randy Gregory is necessarily, but but we'll we'll see. It won't take a lot to upgrade. And then in the second level, there's so much talk about the Niners defensive line, but what Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw do in mm-hmm. in that second level and just controlling the middle of the field. They're both so good in coverage. And so many offenses now rely on those easy throws over the middle. And they just take them away. And they run both of them do with receivers, with tight ends, with running backs. And they just make offense so hard because those throws that so many quarterbacks just kind of feast on the Niners do it. The the 49ers over the last few years have just feasted on those easy throws over the middle. If the 49ers offense had to play against Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, they would really struggle. So yeah. I, I think they're the two that when you talk about this defense, obviously the defensive line is very good, but I think they've been as good as they've been defensively over the last couple of years because of what Greenlaw and Warner do in the second level. Yeah, it's it's wild watching Warner run with these athletes in space, and then you know when teams like like just watching the Cowboys game because we got a chance to really watch it in our bye week, and it's a national mm-hmm. game and all that. You know, you you watch Greenlaw just cut down these checkdowns, just like just absolutely wild. cut these guys down, and it's like it's really hard unless you you get a back who is you know the Eckler mold or the Camara mold who can really strain you. Mm-hmm. Um, playing with comfort in space there. God, it's it's a challenge. And, and uh, you know, the Browns will have to figure out something to do there because uh, too often they've been putting themselves in third and long. And yeah. you know, nobody nobody minds on third and 12 if you're dumping down to four-yard check releases with Drake Greenlaw right. jumping, <laughs> jumping that. So right. I think, again, we talked about the O-line on offense is the part that is a, is a potential to hold you back. I think not, not to say the secondary is bad, not by any stretch, but I think mm-hmm. just from a strength by strength comparison, you would agree with me. It's not the strongest unit on the roster, but they're still playing well. So talk mm-hmm. about the corners, the nickel situation. And then, you know, we were big Hafanga fans here in Cleveland when that draft process was going on. So it's been fun to see him blow up a little bit. Yeah. So in, in the secondary specifically, so Traverius Ward, former chief that they signed uh, before last season is really good. He's just been a really quality press man, and they run they run more man this year with Steve Wilkes than than I think they have in the past, um, and that's because the Rams just kind of cooked them on underneath throws and just clearing out linebackers and going to work because the the Niners are playing off coverage. Well, lately they've taken that away by just being up and physical, and that's what Ward is very good at. On the other side, it's Diomedor Lenore. Uh, third year third year third year player from from Oregon god he's been in the league three years that's crazy uh third year <laughs> third year player from Oregon he's improved dramatically over the course of he he was put in the starting lineup in week five last year when Emmanuel Mosley tore his tore his ACL and he's just gotten better and then last year in the playoffs I think I had a passer rating allowed of like 23 it was just he was excellent and he's he's carried that over this year the nickel situation is interesting though because they have Isaiah Oliver, former Falcon, who they they signed this offseason, like a two-year deal. They paid him pretty good money. But he really struggled in the preseason. Like, just did not play well at all. And it looked like he might mm-hmm. not even make the team. But they're, I'm going to, I don't want to like super deep dive here. But if Isaiah Oliver is not in the slot, Diometer Lenore, their starting outside guy, moves to the slot. And then they put Ambry Thomas, uh, former Michigan Wolverine, also in his third year. They put him mm-hmm. outside. But okay. Ambry Thomas is n- not great 
And when he's been on the field this year, it's not really gone well. And I think the Niners had this illusion that they were going to be able to play matchups in the slot, where if it's a smaller, quicker guy, they'll go with Lenore. And if it's a bigger or a slot receiver or a tight end, they'll go with Isaiah Oliver, who's who's bigger and more built for that. But Oliver is just better. So their best three corners are Lenore and Ward outside with Oliver in the slot. Um, and Oliver's played a lot better lately. So it's a it's a good group. It's not a great group. I wouldn't call any of them like lockdown corners by any stretch. But because of what they do in the front seven, they don't need to be great. They just need to be okay. And I think they've been better than okay. But if you're if you're if you're if you're an offense looking for the quote unquote weakness, I think you're trying to find mismatches on Lenore, who's probably built to play in the slot, but he's playing outside. And mm-hmm. teams started doing that at the end of last year. The, the Raiders really torched him with Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and just those guys being bigger than him. So that's mm-hmm. that's definitely one thing I think you're you're worried about if you're the Niners. And then in the secondary, Talanoa Hufanga, or in the in the back end, Talanoa Hufanga specifically was really good last year. But they gave up several deep touchdowns because he was way over aggressive. Like just vacating, he is the single high safety. And he's just vacating his spot because the quarterback scrambled a little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he hasn't been doing that as much this year and and you can tell in in the rate the the Niners give up big plays they're just not really really doing it so he's a really good player instinctual always around the ball and now he has uh he has figured out a way to harness his aggressiveness and limit his mistakes and I think he's probably on track to be to be an all pro again this year so um yeah there and oh and then Tayshawn Gibson Cleveland legend um he's big time man they love him <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he's been a huge surprise. Good player, um, I think more more of a probably strong safety at this point, just athletically. But man, he's been uh, he's been really solid for them. So um, yeah, let me ask you this, Kyle: if they make if they find at the deadline there's a corner of relevance available, do you see them chasing somebody to to bolster it? If if they can, I mean, you say of relevance, so that to me means somebody like good who might fetch a yeah. first or second round pick. I don't think they necessarily see that as a as a as a huge need. If if they were getting torched on a weekly basis and you know winning games and shootouts, then maybe. But I think they're mm-hmm. really comfortable with with the group that they have now. That won't stop them necessarily if they if there's a corner available that they think is better than Ambry Thomas and they can get him for a sixth just as like a depth piece, then maybe. But I don't think they're going to go make like a huge splash trade for a corner. Good to know. All right, especially as the Broncos start to flirt with moving some bigger names. it's uh, mm. You just look for the right rosters. I know the Ravens have kind of popped up as a place that could use corner help too, so I was kind of curious. Listen, as we close, this has been great, Kyle. As we close, I don't like to do predictions, but I do like to do the vibe. There are some, you know, rough vibes here. You're left coast to, sure. to, to east coast, right? It's a one o'clock kick. And I know you've already done that with Pittsburgh week one, but coming off a big emotional Sunday night game, there's the Schwartz has had success against Shanahan offenses mm-hmm. over the years. So, so again, I know it's, it's PJ Walker. It's not Deshaun. It's a little different, but what's your vibe around your confidence that they get this done? So this was a, this was a game I, I circled before the year is like, Man, if they beat Dallas on Sunday Night Football, they have the, I mean, quote-unquote short turnaround to a 10 a.m. Pacific time kick. That defense is going to be really good. I would be more concerned about them losing, and I would probably pick them to lose if Deshaun Watson was playing. Not that Watson's been been great, but I think yeah. he's good enough that um, if if the Niners go out and score 17 points, he can put up 18, 19, or 20. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I I am less concerned about that with PJ Walker. So I think San Francisco wins, but I think I saw the spreads up to like ten points. It is. I would take every day. I would take the Browns and the points all all day. I think it's going to be close. I think their defense is going to want to make a statement, and I and I think they will. And I think kind of the big takeaway from this game is going to be that Cleveland's defense is is very much for real. Um, and even if even if San Francisco wins, you know, seventeen thirteen or whatever it winds up being, I I, I think Cleveland's defense is going to be the story of this one. They're going to have to be Kyle, man. They're going to have to be. Otherwise, it could be a really it could be a quick. A uh, quick turnaround in a way that doesn't make for good football watching. But if the Browns defense, <laughs> like you said, steps up, plays well, it, it could be a muck it up, rock fight type of scenario. And that's yeah. that's what Cleveland's hoping for. Something ugly where San Francisco plays a D plus C minus game and that gives them a chance. That's uh, that's about where we're at. So it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I think, mm-hmm. uh, although an incomplete picture of the Browns, I do think it's got a chance to be some things work in their favor to make it an interesting battle. And um, I took, listen, at man. the end of the day, we just we just hope it hope it turns into that. So listen, you know, Kyle, we appreciate yep. all your time, man. It was uh, it was a blast to catch up with you here. And obviously, uh, as I said, you you got a guy who owes you some favors on the Brown side. Should these two ever run into each other again, man? So tell people where they can find you before we get out of here. Ninerswire.com is where is where I write part of the USA Today sports media group. Uh, Candlestick Chronicles is the podcast. If for some reason you're ever in the sacramento greater northern california region you want to flip on 1320 a.m espn 1320 i'm on there 10 to noon fantastic he's at kyle a madsen you can you can obviously yeah, follow too. him i will make sure to link his twitter account in the description of this pod and that's it for today though so thanks to kyle for being here thanks to you guys for stopping by join the obr one dollar your first month i think you'll find it to be the best browns community online that you guys can get a hold of and then rate and review the pod on the way out the door help cleveland browns fans find this podcast as often as possible by exposing it to as many earballs as we can so i appreciate you guys for making this possible and i appreciate kyle again for stopping by have a fantastic friday everybody go browns everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.